The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening, and we pray that God's Word will enrich your journey today. So I got a text Thursday uh, after dinner, and here's what the text said. Adam, this is Kyle. You are old as dirt. Seriously, your daughter just got her senior pictures, and I was like, come on, Kyle, LOL. I was like, uh, true story, yeah, from what I hear, it only gets worse. And he was like, do you have a gut and gray hair now? I'm like, really, Kyle? I'm like, seriously? And he was like, yeah, you are so old. I know the winters are really long in Wisconsin. And so I thought to myself, you know what? I'm just going to delete Kyle out of my contacts. I figured that would be the best thing to do. But yes, uh, our daughter Grace will be 18. She got her senior pictures this week. And I thought to myself, maybe I am getting a little older. And so, wow, it's just one of those things. Hey, listen, you probably have a family, some uh, kids getting off to school, and I just want to let you know as a staff and as uh, a congregation, we are praying for one another. We're praying for you, and I don't know what your school year looks like. I'm not sure what this year is going to bring us, but here's what I do know. As we sang earlier, God will never, he's not going to let us go. God's not going to let us go. It's one of his promises, and so we're believing that Uh, today together. It's one of the reasons why we have a unique opportunity to show love to our city. In fact, uh, earlier in between services, we just uh, stuffed a bunch of backpacks for uh, kids in schools who are in need, and so we did that together as a congregation. You saw some of the footage of what we did at our kickoff event, and Love Appleton's exciting because at the end of service today, what I'm holding is an ice cream scooper, and so you can pick one up in the lobby today, and for people that you've been talking to, trying to invite to church, just reach out to, show the love of Jesus. One of the ways that all of us can love Appleton together is to buy maybe some ice cream. I don't know what your favorite ice cream is, but buy it and take this scooper and give it to somebody that uh, you've been reaching out to, talking to, and just say, hey, we just uh, love our city, we love you, and so this is something that we want to do for you. So that'll be a great uh, chance for you to get engaged and make sure you stop by and pick one up out in the lobby. So today, we're starting a brand new series, and here's what I thought. To begin, why don't we all say the title of the series together? Ready? Here we go. My big fat mouth, my big fat mouth. In fact, um, can we just say, say that again? My big fat mouth. Now, that's really important because this is not your wife's big fat mouth. This isn't about your husband's big fat mouth. This is not about your boss's big fat mouth. This isn't about your sister-in-law and her big fat mouth. This isn't about your sister and her big fat mouth. This is about, this isn't about Kyle and his big fat mouth. This is about your big fat mouth. This is about my big fat mouth. So with a lot of passion and a lot of energy, let's say the title of the series together again. Ready? My big Yes, I, you got it. Excellent. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about today. And uh, just in case uh, you get distracted maybe at home or, I don't know, you lose electricity or you doze off here in the room, here's what I want to do. I want to give you the bottom line to my message this weekend. And here's why. Because I believe that this content 
regardless of where you are in your journey, perhaps you're just kind of checking out Christianity, the claims of Christ, or you're beginning, or you're like a long-time faithful follower of Jesus, there are takeaways regardless of where you are in your journey when it comes to this series. So let me uh, give you the bottom line, and would you repeat this after me? Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. And now what we're going to do, we're going to use some hand motions for this. All right? We're going to use some hand motions. So we're all going to go back to middle school together. This is going to be awesome. So everybody, take your hands and go like this. Take your hands and go like this. Just kind of clench your fists together like this. And when, and when we say quick to listen, you're going to go like this with your hands. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Ready? Here we go. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Say it with me and do the hand motions. Quick to listen, slow to speak. One more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, here's why we're balling up our fists like that. Because sometimes when we're in conflict with one another, or you have something that's intense, a tense exchange, you don't even know this, but you'll start, you'll start just clenching your fists. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden, inside, you start to get angry. And you, you can't hear anymore. And you know what you're doing? You're not really listening to them. What are you doing? You're formulating your response. While well, I'm being gracious, it's probably a reaction or some form of sarcasm or you're going to be cynical or you're going to be whatever, angry at them. And so it's a really good way for us to remember the bottom line for this weekend. Let's do it one more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Some of you are going to be doing that at work this week. You're going to have your hand on your desk or something like that. It's like quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, man, it would be great if we just had all the high school students in our church on the front row today. This is not about their mouth. This is about your mouth, my big fat mouth. Because isn't it true that when we're in conflict, we may never agree on something. We may never agree, but we all want the same thing when we're in conflict with one another. In fact, both parties want the same thing. And here's what they want. They want to be heard and they want to be understood. We may never agree, but please, would you listen to me? We may never agree on how to parent these kids. We may never agree on what happens at work or decision in the office. We may never agree. Mom, dad, you might not agree with me on my major, but would you please listen to me. And if you're going to say anything when we're talking, I see a couple right now talking, like, oh, that's so true. It's so true, isn't it? If you're going to say anything, I don't care if it's a grunt, I don't care if it's a uh, whatever, would that be some form of acknowledgement that you have heard me? Because in order to understand someone, you first have to hear them. That's why you need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. In fact, let's do it this way. Quick to listen, and then when we get to slow to speak, let's just slow it down together. Slow to speak. All right, one more time. Here we go. Quick to listen. Oh, you guys were way better in first service. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, if uh, you grew up in church, you've been around church, that is not original content to me. Actually, that line, quick to listen, slow to speak, comes from a very famous uh, influential leader in the early church. He was... Uh, he was a guy by the name of James, and James was related to another famous individual, Jesus. See, James was Jesus' brother, and he was a pivotal leader in the church in Jerusalem in the first century. In fact, 
If you want to read an interesting passage of scripture in Acts chapter 15, there's this big church business meeting. It's called the Council of Jerusalem. And so James was one of the leaders of the church of Jerusalem when Jesus was, was, was uh, crucified and then he rose from the dead and he appeared to all these people. He ascended to the Father. Then Peter spoke in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people came to faith. It was the birth and the launch of the church. And then the church started to go global just like Jesus promised in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, here, there, and everywhere. And at one pivotal moment, this is so fascinating, I've got to tell you about James before we get into what he said. At one point in Acts chapter 15, they're having this, uh, uh, this conversation, this business meeting about, well, what do we do about these Gentiles because they're coming to faith? Now, if you're not Jewish today, you're a Gentile. Okay? If you're not Jewish today, you're a Gentile. And James said a very profound statement in Acts chapter 15, verse 19. He said, listen, why would we make it hard for Gentiles to come to faith in Jesus Christ? So he had some major things that were huge for the church. And so if you went to the first church in Jerusalem, he'd be preaching or praying or doing something up front. He was like the leader of the church uh, there in Jerusalem. In fact, uh, some 30 years later, around 62 AD, he was actually stoned to death. There was a gap in leadership. There wasn't a Roman official there in Jerusalem. And so the high priest uh, in the Jewish faith, uh, they actually stoned uh, James. Why? Because he believed in the resurrection of his brother Jesus. He saw him come back to life. Can you even imagine that? Now, James, because he was so loved in Jerusalem, he actually earned the nickname James the Just. James the Just. So when James got his just reward by meeting his brother again in heaven, can you imagine? Hey, how are you doing, brother? Great to see you again. This, this is all true, right? This is all true. Yes, long before he got his just reward, he wrote this letter. It's a New Testament letter that we have today in our Bibles. It's called the Book of James. If you have never read the Book of James, let me encourage you. It's a phenomenal book. It is so practical. And if you're new in the faith, it's a great book to start in at because it has so many practical implications for our tongue and for our life and for, for, for how we live, not just by faith faith, but what we actually do with our faith. So here's how he starts off his words to us. He says this, and if you're a woman, by the way, if you're a female, this is huge. Listen to the opening line of what James says in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters. Now this is really big because in the first century, women were seen as property. Women could not testify in courts. Women, there were arranged marriages, and it was actually to the benefit of the man and his family. And so what James does very early on, James says, no, 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 no. There is equality in God's kingdom. He elevates the status of women. And he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Pay attention, sit up. If you're going to write anything down, write down what I say next. And here's what James says next. He says, everyone, who's he talking about? Everyone, all of us today. This is how the Holy Spirit wants to use the word today in this service. If you're tuning in, wherever you are, God wants to speak to you through what he inspired through James as his instrument. And this is what James wrote down. He said, everyone, everyone should be quick to listen. Now, how can you speed up your hearing? How do you do that? 
How do you speed up your hearing? Well, what James is doing is he's giving a foundational principle for all of us who are in relationships. He is saying simply this, that our number one priority when we're in relationship with another individual, I don't care if it's a coworker, I don't care if it's a family member, I don't care who it is, when we are in relationship, the number one principle that we should all abide by as followers of Jesus is that we should be quick to listen, quick to listen, and that's really hard. I don't always get that right. I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm not quick to listen. I'm really quick to talk. Like, the opposite is true for me. Like, fast talker, slow listener, right? And so, uh, or, or it gets me in trouble because it's my big fat mouth. So what do we do? Well, you know what we can do when we're in a conversation with somebody and we want to be quick to listen to really speed up our hearing, we can ask questions. In fact, you can ask a couple questions. So, are you saying this? Even if you think you understand, why? Because people want to be heard and they want to be understood. Even if you think you understand, not in a condescending, but in a very loving way. So what I hear you saying is this, or wait, so you're saying it, you mean this, right? Or you, you get curious and you ask a follow-up question to what they said. Because then they really feel heard and understood, like, oh, you're saying this, and what about this? And that just opens up the communication, and it lowers the tension. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Goes on, and he says, uh, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you have a Bible, highlight that in your mobile app or circle that in your Bible. Slow to become angry. Now, here's what anger is. Anger, to become angry, slow to become angry, is both a result and a decision. If you decide up front that you're going to ask questions and that you're going to use your ears to be quick to listen and slow to speak, then what, what James is saying is that you're going to be slow to become angry because you've already decided to be a good listener and to ask a lot of questions. Now, the anger that James is talking about, he's not talking about like being a volcano or, or maybe retreating and going inward. You know, some of us, we get explosive, we have a short fuse, or some of us, we go inward and we get pouty and it's like, oh no, I'm fine. Are you okay? No, I'm fine. It's our way of kind of controlling, or, right? We're getting passive. That's not what James is talking about kind of anger that James is talking about is a relational kind of anger. It's insidious. It's the kind of anger that undermines the very nature of relationship. It isolates us. It's the relational anger that, that results in drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. It's when you're you're in a conversation and it begins to get heated and you're making assumptions and you're drawing conclusions and you don't even understand the other point of view. It's why when we start talking religion and politics and, and things that are really, hate, uh, really heated, we need to make sure that we don't criticize people or ideas until we fully understand. Because one of the basic assumptions of all people, if you didn't get this or if you never heard this, whatever people say, whatever they do, and whatever they believe, it makes perfect sense to them. 
You know how I know that? Because whatever you, whatever you do, whatever you say, what, what, whatever you believe, it makes perfect sense to you, right? So be so quick to listen and don't draw assumptions. Seek to understand before you're understood. It's an old uh, business book by Stephen Covey. He used to write uh, the, the seven, ha- highly, uh, seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I don't know if you ever read James, but James is essentially saying the same thing. Quick to listen and slow to speak. And listen, I do not get this right all the time. This is because I have a big fat mouth. I have a big fat mouth. In fact, you're a powerful person because you have a mouth. I mean, James says that the mouth is like a rudder to a ship. It's like a spark that can ignite a whole forest fire. Uh, Proverbs says it this way, in the mouth and the power of the tongue comes life and death. James says in chapter 3, he says, it is something in our words, in our tongue, you can actually bless and praise God and then you can curse people. You can get really angry. You know what I mean? So, so James says it this way, he goes on and he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow, slow to speak. Wait and be late. Wait and be late when it comes to your speech. And slow to become angry. And here he gives us our, his purpose statement. Because, because. Not so, this is not, he's not saying, hey, hey folks, I, I, I want to give you kind of a, a communication tool. I, I want you to be able to lower your tension in your homes or in your relationships. That's not what James is saying. He's saying, because he gives a purpose statement, and it's not about just resolving conflict. It's not about, hey, can we all just get along? We're stronger. He's not saying that. What he is saying is that this idea is attached to a divine agenda. He says, this is so big. This is how Jesus Christ operates and his kingdom. And here's what I want you to understand. I want you to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to become angry because he gives us a formula that the more you ask questions, the more you learn and the less you become angry because because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger. Now, there is a righteous anger and all of us have participated in a righteous anger before. A righteous anger is getting angry about the things that God gets angry about. A a, a righteous anger is getting angry at racism. Righteous anger is getting angry about the killing of unborn babies. A righteous anger is getting angry at trafficking. The righteous anger gets angry at at pedophilia. A righteous anger, those things that God is angry about, we as his followers, we are entitled to be angry about those things such that we do something about making a difference in our world today. That's a righteous anger. But make no mistake, there is a human anger that is not a righteous anger. And a human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, when you get angry in relationship, when you get angry in conversation, it begins to distort your perspective and your words come out wrong. And then you do incredible damage to those that you care about and you love and are called to love doesn't produce the right kind of thing. Because isn't it true we all want, 
We all want the other person to do the same thing that we would want in return. So we all want people to be quick, quick to listen to us, in our view, and slow to speak. But sometimes we're not as good as we want other people to be to us. And Jesus put it this way, do unto others what you would have them do unto you, the golden rule. It's the bottom line of what Jesus talked about. Now, we could stop here and that would be pretty good. You'd have some hand motions. You could go practice that this week. That'd be really good. But we got to go a little deeper, okay? Now, if you didn't know this about yourself in relationship and when you get into conflict and when you start using your words, if you didn't know about this about yourself, I want to give you something really important. So pull out your pens or get your phones ready or write this down. When you get into conflict, here's the deal. You want to be right, right? Yeah, you want to be right. But here's the thing. You can win the argument and lose the relationship. In fact, if you get so obsessed with always being right, you'll write people right out of the relationship that you want to have with them. But here's the difference. God wants you to be right with one another. God wants you to be right with one another. God, listen, in relationships, there's compromise. In relationships, there's give and take. In relationships, it's not always about your agenda and what you want to accomplish. This is so transformative. Teenagers, parents, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, this is huge. If we'd be quick to listen and slow to speak, we would watch the anger go down, and we would see what God desires, the righteousness, the rightness according to God. Because in conflict, there's a couple different agendas at play. There's your agenda, and you think it's right. There's the other person's agenda, and then there's God's agenda. And as followers of Jesus, our desire should be, I want what you want. I want your agenda for this relationship. And what God wants is for you to be right with one another. So James kind of concludes it this way. He says, therefore, in light of this, if you want to be right with one another, get rid of all moral filth. The images take off the cloak, the coat, the coat that has the label that says, I'm right. You're wearing the I'm right jacket. Take that off. I'm always right, Jacket. Take it off. You got to take that off because he says, when you get rid of the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and that sounds like really hard, like, ooh, moral filth? Like, like here's the deal. When we always assume that our position is always right and we always want to push that on somebody, regardless of the nature of the topic, your rightness, your self rightness leads to self-righteousness. And self-righteousness ends up in a form of entitlement, in a form of, of, of where mor morality begins to decline when you are at the center and you become prideful and you think you're God, right? So he says, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. That's a little New Testament it's kind of a first century code for, you remember what Jesus said? You remember how Jesus acted? That's the way that you should act. That's the way that, that you should think. Because if you follow his ways, those ways can save you. See, God didn't send Jesus so that Jesus could make big declarations about, I'm right and you're wrong. God sent Jesus so that you and I could be reconciled to the Father. 
If God sent Jesus to be right, that would take friends about 30 seconds. I'm right, here's a couple miracles, and we're done. But he sent Jesus so that Jesus could die on the cross so that we might be reconciled, all things, Colossians 1, in him and through him and by him all things were being made and are being reconciled back. In the end of all things, God's ways and purposes will prevail because of Jesus. In the end of all things, everything will come back under the authority and the power and the creative force of who God is. So why wouldn't we use our mouths to do that now? Why wouldn't we submit our words now? The only way that I know how to do that is through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Because human anger produces it produces things that are not, it's not the result of what God desires. But the Holy Spirit inside of us produces his character qualities, the fruit of Jesus Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit according to Galatians chapter 5. Those are the things that God wants coming out of your mouth and my mouth. We need his help. In fact, uh, you remember the most famous verse of the New Testament, John 3.16. It says this, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that Jesus could come and be right. Nope. So that Jesus could reconcile every single one of us because if we believe in him, we would not perish but have eternal life. Do you know the next verse Next verse is a really powerful verse. And a lot of times we don't say this next verse. But I need you to hear this verse today. This verse says this, for, for, for God did not send his son into the world, not only to show that he was right, he wasn't trying to, you know, like, but not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Listen, as we close this weekend, I want you to know that God did not send his son Jesus to heap a bunch of condemnation and shame and make you feel bad about you. In fact, Jesus came to die on a cross, and when he was dying on the cross, his words brought healing to our hearts. He said, Father, forgive them, for I know not, for they know not what they do. I mean, Jesus modeled to us what it means to take our mouth and make it submissive to the power and to the presence of the Father. Remember in the garden, he said, uh, if you can take this cup, I don't want to go to this cross, but not my will, your will be done. Jesus, he looked at lepers, he, he looked at people who were morally filthy, those who were far from God, and he said, there is grace here for you. He was known as a friend of sinners. Out of his mouth came words of grace and hope and healing. And as we close today, in a moment, I want to pray for all of us. But I want to take a moment, and I want to ask you the question, what comes out of your mouth when it comes to God? Is it praise? Is it surrender? Is it adoration? Is it Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I, I want 
to know you.